Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I did Rod's Tales from the Trail. We have our guest today, Matthew Failer. Uh, he is a veteran Iditarod musher, of course, and we'll hear a lot about that from him and his uh, dog kennel, 17th dog. And we'll talk about that, too. I'm curious about the name. And I'm your host, Kristen. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, mushers are getting quite busy now that uh, the snow is falling. So connecting with everybody might take a little bit longer since you're probably starting to really hit training. Um, and then I did want to ask you about your, you're out there with 17th Dog Kennel and you're in Willow, right? And you got a little bit of snow, I think we did here in, in Wasilla. That is correct. Yeah. We're up here in Willow, just um, on the east side of the highway towards Hatcher Pass, and we did get a little bit of snow. It actually rained for maybe an hour or two, and then it kind of slushed, and then it snowed a few inches on top of that. So, And it, it froze really hard afterwards, so we got a lot of kind of crunchy, icy snow, but um, for the most part, there's about an inch of snow on top of all that slush, which is which is acceptable, I would say. Yeah, uh, we did get that ice as well, and it's kind of a pain to drive on. You know, roads are the back roads are a little bumpy, but we're getting yeah. sun in the morning, so hopefully that kind of clears up. Um, does that ice? I mean, you're going to get ice on the trail. Is that going to be damaging your sleds or? Um, does that really affect how you're you're driving and yeah. training? I guess. I mean, you're in the middle of training now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, our 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 life completely revolves around the dogs and the dog care. So we we whenever we wake up every day, we always we always look at what the trail conditions are like and what we have faced with us. And so basically, um, there were a couple of days where we didn't run the dogs at all because it was just too abrasive and even with booties on the booties would you know tear up and have holes so we didn't run them for those first two days and i took out the uh we had to chip out the big groomer out of the ice and snow um but i hooked up the the four-wheeler put chains on the back tires because it is kind of icy in spots and we drug the the trail and the road where we where we run our dogs on to try and break up all the abrasive stuff and that seemed to work really well so our our normal fall trail that we use we can't really access our our winter trails just yet we need more snow but um we were able to basically soften the the trail to keep the dogs you know their feet healthy and and okay uh so but we're able to run which is great um and it looks like it's going to stay cold for another week with no snow so that groomer um had kind of really helped help save us otherwise we might be giving the dogs five six days off here or or taking them somewhere else where we have better conditions but no no sleds to this point okay okay i see um well that's really interesting sled or a trail groomer is that something you can just go buy down at the store then <laughs> um kind of i'm uh, not necessarily a store around here although if there is there might be one in fairbanks i'm not I'm not too sure where here in the valley, but um, yeah, there's there's a market. You know, it, they have 
several different types for several different kinds of snow conditions. Um, and we have one that's a real lightweight one that we use here in the dog yard because the dogs like to run, you know, they're so active that the, the ground gets pushed around, they dig holes, you know, and so it's nice to, to groom that and flatten it out. Um, it's better for breakup in the spring when everything melts, the ground will, um, evenly, you know, uh, dry up and, um, it's just easier to walk around when you can groom it and, and shovel in all the holes. But anyways, we have a, a heavier groomer for the, for the trails and a lot of people around here make their own, um, but you can, you can buy some professionally made ones. You can even get really fancy ones that have hydraulics. You can kind of plug into your snow machine and have little, little levers that raise and lower the bl blades while you're moving. But those are, those are really expensive. We don't have one of those yet. Yes. <laughs> I'm super interested in seeing what those look like. I better um, follow your followers and fans are too. I never really thought about the, tr you know, grooming the trail. I mean, yes, you, you know, obviously have to make your trail and, yeah. but the up, I mean, that's just another, just another thing that you need to think about. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can even, a lot of us will just drag, drag tires or pallets, sure. you know, just, just to try okay. to soften that trail. I mean, anything you can do to, to make sure the dogs are going to be, you know, okay going down the trails, what we, what we do. Yeah. And I guess until, you get some really good snow and exactly. and then it'll be softer. Yeah. So the 17th dog, could you tell me um, how you came up with that name? I was looking around on your website and I, and I was curious, but I didn't see exactly the thought behind it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Our, um, my web, my wife Liz and I are, are in the middle of building a new website with the help of our friend Ari. She's, um, been a supporter of the team for years now so we're we're in the middle of creating a new website and it'll explain the history of the name but um basically when when i was with martin um and realizing that my you know my time was coming to an end there I usually worked two years for for him and um i i i wanted to stay in the stay in the dog mushing um you know profession basically um, I, I realized that one of the reasons why Martin is so successful is because he has such a good, you know, family around him. He has such a good professional network and it takes years to, to build that up. Um, and he, you know, he, he obviously has been very successful, but he's had so many people basically help him because he, he's good to the people that, that help him and, and work with him. So basically what I'm getting at is any, any company or any business or any, you know, team that does well usually has like a really nice network of, of people that are part of their team. And so I kind of wanted to pay tribute to, to that network that I was going to be slowly building and developing. And, um, you know, for years you could take 16 dogs on the Iditarod and I thought it was a neat saying to just to call someone the, the, the next member of the team as if they were a part of the team, they'd be the 17th dog. Um, a lot of people, if they follow sports, that analogy can be attributed to like Texas A&M and then the Seattle Seahawks piggybacked off of that idea. So that's where the 12th man comes from. But specifically in football, the 12th man refers to the crowd in the stadium. So you have the, the game being played, you have 11 players on the field, and the 12th man is the 
is the crowd. And so in our sport, the 17th dog is, is anybody, you know, the armchair musher, mom and dad, the fan, the fourth grader that follows us in, you know, McLean school outside of DC. I mean, everybody all over the world is, is the 17th dog. If they, if they believe in our team and they cheer us on. So it's not, it's not me, but it's everybody that's a part of our team. Thanks, Matthew. That's really nice. Um, We definitely uh, enjoy our fans, especially here at the Iditarod. They're what make us, you know, go and continue on, of course. So you guys, yeah, yes, um, had puppies. I wanted to talk about the puppies. (laughs) So many cute things going on. Um, And we see them on our video 2.0 2.0 video Greg, our insider um, extraordinaire, has went out to do some video with you guys, and all the puppies are there. How are they? They are uh, they're fantastic. They are just now five months old. Um, we have four, uh, two boys and two girls, and um, it's a repeat breeding of. Um, let me think here. It's a repeat breeding of vocal. And Sean White, who gave birth to probably our more successful litter of the kennel, um, which is our trophy litter. So it's a repeat breeding of the trophy litter. And the, the trophy litter, um, all of those dogs, there were seven in that litter. They were part of our um, Cusco championship team in 2019. And they're just, they're really, I don't know what, I mean, it seems like I say the same thing over and over, but they're really intelligent and they're really athletic. And um, they just figure it out very quickly. They they mature really fast. So we wanted to. Sean is now ten, and Vocal is she's probably eight. So we wanted to make sure we got another you know repeat breeding before they're they're too old to reproduce. Um, and they're they're doing great. It's funny. Sean Sean White is fully retired, lives in the house, and Vocal is kind of phased retirement where she she runs for fun, but isn't really training too hard but she still runs and she might make a make one of the smaller races but sean goes over and greets his puppies and we let the puppies out and we feed them outside and then sean's kind of milling around like dad milling around making sure the kids are eating their their kibble um and then when they're done he goes over and picks up all the the scraps that might be under the grass or under the snow that they missed and um they have quickly figured out how to run on the puppy wheel um, which is a new addition to our kennel. We love trying to come up with new things. And I've, I've been wanting a puppy wheel for years and years. And um, I kind of repurposed one from a musher who is retired. I bought, bought it and uh, had my buddy Lev Schwartz help me re-weld it. And, you know, we painted it and made it look nice. And um, so the puppies are doing fantastic. They're getting lots of, of free running and walking, um, going looking for moose antlers but they're not they're not yet old enough to to run in harness at least not how we do it here so they're 5 months we're probably going to introduce them into a harness maybe maybe 8 or 9 months old maybe between 7 and 10 months somewhere in there that video you guys have i don't know if you have gone on and to watch it it's so cute those four little puppies are just running around <laughs> and i actually ended up using um a nice still shot from your from that video so your two of your puppies are on our website that lead into the 2.0 i just put our 2.0 i don't know if you've seen that or noticed it i'll (laughs) have to get on there and check yeah Uh, so i don't know which 
what the names are of those two uh, that are on there uh, happen to be on our homepage. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what our Insider 2.0 is. It's more of, you know, extension of the race in summer. And we don't have that much um, photos and content from the summer exactly. So it's nice to to get some of that year-round stuff out. And if anybody is not an insider yet, go on there because there's extra we're just making so much extra content and watching the dogs from the beginning. So we'll be following, right? Yeah. Following four puppies into hopefully um, future years of racing. So that's pretty fun. Well, that is real quick. That's um, if I'm looking at the same image, the one that's the, the, uh, the beginning of the video, it's tango is the white, white socks. She's got the white feet tango and then her sister whiskey. And Tango's nickname when she was little was Miss Piggy because she was she was the little little chunk. She was the little fatty. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Puppies. Puppies in the summertime are That's always right. fun to follow. So <laughs> hopefully we'll just keep on having more puppy stuff. Everybody loves puppies. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. So you also have Casey Merringer out, out there at your kennel, correct? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, we talked with her um, after the race, big you know, Red Lantern Award recipient. And so she's really nice. And um, how's Casey? How's our friend Casey doing? Casey is doing great. Um, yeah, you can't really put a price on experience. And, you know, now that Casey has her belt buckle, she it brings with just a load of confidence. Um, you know, she did a great job last year for us, for Liz and I. Um, and she's awesome with the dogs. She's just, she, she handles them really well. She's super patient. She's a hard worker. I mean, she's been dog mushing for a long time. It's been in her, her family ever since she was little. She had a few dogs back in Michigan, but, um, we weren't, we weren't sure if we were going to bring her back just because it was such a dismal summer. So she had to go back to Michigan and find what we call real or normal work, you know, she had to go go back and she, she was with family and in the meantime uh for the tail end of of well it was more the beginning of fall we picked up another guy another another helper um his name is dane and he also is from michigan so right now we have dane and casey but specifically casey's she's doing great she's going to be here the whole winter um she's going to help us do tours Un unfortunately we we aren't going to get Casey in a race this year, um, but uh, she's going to help us try to try to pick up our uh, the slack of tours this this winter. So we're going to be offering winter tours to try to, you know, since it was such a, a, a harsh summer, we got to do some more on on the winter side of it. So Casey's doing great, and like I said, you can't put a can't put a price on experience. She's it, she has so much more confidence. You can just see it walking around. She she knows more now. She feels a lot better about what she's doing, and it's nice to have her back. And so Liz and I are, are just blessed to have her back. So you don't normally run the um, winter tours. You're, you just usually train and, and whatnot. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we did a couple winter tours over the last few years, but um, we normally focus, try to get all of our tourism in into the summer and then just focus on, on racing in the winter. But we're we're slowly trying to develop our 
our own business here where we can provide tours year round. Yeah, I was going to ask you how um, COVID affected. I mean, obviously, it affected everybody's businesses and no big tour buses were coming through, obviously. And aside, just aside from that, you know, people want to be cautious and uh, not do too much outside the house or, you know, with other people. Um, but it, it's, um, I guess if you're, you're running, you know, one family or, you know, whatever guests at a time, it's, you have time to clean and sanitize or, um, you know, there's no groups, I guess, coming in. Right. We, we, um, we have a pretty small, a pretty small tour program. Um, so we could only take up to six people per, per tour. And most of that was on a, on a per couple basis. So we would like, for example, we don't, we, we can't, we don't offer a tour where we have a, a, a big charter bus of 50 people. At least not yet. We we're not in that in that side of the tourism. So we're focused more on taking smaller groups. And although we were, you know, COVID did uh, put a damper on on a lot of stuff for everybody. Um, we might not have been affected as much as a bigger company since we didn't cancel the season altogether. I mean, since we live here, literally where where we live is where we work. It's not like we can just cancel cancel where we live. So we have to keep working and. If people got tested and they showed a negative test and they were able to, to come through, you know, the uh, airport and and do what they needed to do on the on the on that side of things, they could come here and we would give them a tour and people we, the whole tour is outside. Um, so, yep, we would clean up and disinfect and wipe down things and, um you know, so we were able to basically kind of squeak by and take small numbers throughout the year. And there was, there were many, many days where we didn't take anybody when, when COVID really was at its peak, at least through the middle of summer. But um, we're hoping that we're going to be slowly getting past all that and, and life can return to normal. Yep. And we're at the Iditarod, you know, figuring out race protocol and working with our state officials. And we have a, um, an epidemiologist on our team, Dr. Guest, who's helping us through getting everything safe and, and making sure we can, you know, run the safest race possible, like we always do, of course. Right. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, all the extra, all the extra things, safety things beyond what you usually do to make things safe. Yep. It's definitely a process. And I've, um, yeah, working with other, companies in town and event type things outside. Yep. It's definitely things you have to think about. And, but I'm glad you guys were able to keep some going. I, I know there's other, you're right. Other mushers that just decided not to do it. Um, but you were in the position and we didn't have dogs either this year. So at our headquarters, which we usually do, but we're in the, really in the range where we do have those tour buses and um, we just didn't have any. So we, but we still have some people that come and we always in, you know, encourage our local fans to come down to the headquarters and we have, you know, the hand sanitizer and, and encourage masks and whatnot. So we're still, we're still open to, yep. 
it's uh, just a different summer this year. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about something super fun, which was your wedding this summer. You got engaged right after the Cusco 300. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Got engaged right at the finish line. Yep. And there you have a really cute video on your website of that whole um, engagement <laughs> uh, situation right at the right at the end of the race. So everybody go to um, 17th Dog. Uh, is it just 17th Dog com? That's correct. Yep. And check out the video. It's really cute. Uh, the whole proposal. Um, well, why don't you tell us um, your your whole wedding story? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it, it's fantastic. I mean, Liz and I are really happy. Um, and of course, she said she said yes, and um, you know, I. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if people have already have already heard the story, but I'll I'll paraphrase it. I mean, I knew that I was going to propose to Liz, and I just didn't know when. Um, and it was nearing the end of the year. Uh, we had, um, you know, like big, uh, big uh, holidays coming up. We had Christmas and New Year's, and um, and maybe some other things that were around that time when I could have probably popped the question. Um, but I, I specifically wanted to do it um, on the the trail in in the Kuskokwim uh, 300 in Bethel because the year before Liz was at the finish line uh, cheering us on to our first and only victory. We've only bagged one one championship, but it was a big one, and it was the the K300 a couple of years ago. And so she's been a huge part of my life and a huge part of the team, and it was just fitting to to try to kind of postpone the proposal and wait through Christmas and wait through New Year's and, and, um, you know, do it there. And so she, she had no idea. Plus that's also, that's also the fun factor is the, the big surprise. And then of course, carrying the ring in my parka, um, the whole way just added to the whole experience, you know? Um, so I secretly went and picked out the ring that I knew she liked and, um, you know, had it in my, when you're mushing dogs, especially on a 300 mile race, you, you have a lot of stuff, you know, under your parka that you might not think of. I mean, you have ointments for the dog's feet. I wear contacts. So I have contact solution. I have an extra pair of contacts, things that can't freeze. You have your toothbrush, you have hand warmers, you have all this stuff. You have your battery to your headlamp. And then, um, and then I had this, this square little ring box, you know, like a one and a half inch by one and a half inch box. And, um, I remember putting it under my, under my fleece jacket in my breast pocket underneath my, you know, in my, my shirt. And, and it stuck out on my chest in a rather weird, you know, shape. And, and Liz saw that, but she didn't know what it was. She probably just assumed it was some other stuff like normal. Cause I always have, you know, things in pockets, booties everywhere, you know? And so, um, I remember, I remember thinking like, Oh, this is kind of just a little close to her wondering, Hey, what is that? But she never asked. And so that added to the, you know, to the excitement and got to the finish line, uh, knelt down and, and had Heisman and I think maybe FIFA, I think it was Heisman and FIFA were the lead dogs. And she said, yes. So check out the video. It was great. Uh, we had told our host family that we were going to, that I was going to do it. 
so they were in on the secret and then then she in turn had some friends with cameras and it just was a it was a you know for lack of a better term it was a magical moment that the sun was slowly coming up so it was like kind of that early early morning um light and it was cold it was maybe 20 below and my my good buddy Pete Kaiser won the race and my my good buddy Richie Deal was was seconds behind us so sandwich between our good friends and the wonderful community of Bethel we we thought it was a great place to to do it so fast forward to this summer um when we got when we got engaged we said well do we want to wait a year maybe like what maybe a normal process would be and you kind of you know plan and we said you know we don't really want to we don't really want to just wait a full 12 months Liz and I always felt like we were already married even before we were married um and so we said why wait you know let's just get let's just get married so then COVID then COVID kind of hit and we said well man we already sent out all these invitations do we do we backtrack um and again we just kind of we both share the same mindset of hey if this is what we want to do let's do it and if if people are going to come and they're going to they're going to you know we'll take precautions of being safe so we instead of holding the wedding inside we we held the wedding outside and we respect people's decision if they didn't want to come we weren't going to you know we weren't going to we were going to understand we were going to understand that and so we had a lot of people wearing masks and we had of course a, um a large enough place for people to safely social distance and we went ahead and just had a really beautiful, beautiful ceremony. And of course we included all, all the dogs and as many dogs as we could. So we uh, had a, a beautiful wooden sled decorated with caribou skins and, and um, flowers and uh, six, six of our sled dogs adorned in um, flowers around their neck and the collars um, pulled us uh, right after we tied the knot. Um, and um, we literally, we literally uh, tied two, two pieces of rope together on the altar and that that became our bridal which which the dogs pulled us from um, around our property here and it was just a wonderful day and it was going to rain it was kind of drizzling in the morning but as soon as we walked down the stage the sun came out so it felt really we felt really lucky and it was a special moment so um and our friend John Tom or John Thane excuse me um put together an amazing video that you can go on and, and see. Um, and he was one of Liz's coworkers at KTVA. So John, John Thane did such a good job. You can check that out. It was an awesome moment. And I did also see that there was a really nice article in the New York times as well. And I think they have a picture of your um, sled, the dog sled that you guys put together too. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. We, um, We've been blessed with a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of that, that 17th dog idea. There's just a lot of people that helped us. And, um, yeah, the New York times somehow heard about, I, I think they might've heard it through, you know, since Liz was in, in the local news here, she had connections and somehow they heard about the proposal and the proposal was so, you know, was so un, un, um, it was just atypical, I guess. And somehow they, they commissioned a local New York Times camera, you know, a photographer, and she came out and we did an interview, and that was a great article. It was really fun. I did, I had no idea that they that they have a section just literally dedicated to weddings. Um, so pretty honored, oh, yeah. honored for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. 
So yep. that was, that was yeah. Really and, and it's a nice story amid, you know, the COVID situation and all of that craziness. It's just nice to have a happy story going on <laughs> that they can share. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, we're just really, I mean, we, we have friends that postpone their wedding and we have friends that, and, and family members, um, that were going to have a wedding and they chose to either do a very small wedding to, you know, if they're in the municipality of Anchorage or they could only have so many guests. I mean, we just, we felt so bad for them that they, you know, that they, that, that that's the luck of the draw, unfortunately, or some people postpone for a full year or they don't even know when they're going to have their. So we just said, you know what, let's, let's, just do it. We want to get married. We love each other. And if people want to want to be here, then they're an adult and they can they can make that choice on their own. And so we're just we're just happy to to be married. It's just such a nice story. I I feel like we need to have a um, just a episode or a show on Insider dedicated to all the um, on the trail like romance happening <laughs> yeah, yeah we can we can get that yeah we can get that going somehow i'll talk to you because I, right <laughs> because you met liz uh during the iditarod so yep. and i think we have a, you know a few other couples that met during at least dog racing so <laughs> it's definitely a really cool theme and it just kind of shows how uh, nice everybody is and the connect nice connections you can make. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Dog sledding and mushing. It's pretty cool. But you are also from uh, Ohio, right? That is correct. I yeah. Want to talk about this real quick. Do you know the um, teacher, our new teacher on the trail, Jim Dupree? He's uh, also from Ohio. I do. Yeah. I am. I'm, um, I'm friends with Jim and uh, we actually kind of, through the power of email and Zoom, um, we have been, geez, I want to say like maybe five or six years now, we have been connecting with his students through, and I've been showing his students the kennel for I, I, maybe six years and like kind of opening up the kennel online and walking through with the laptop or a phone and answering the kids' questions that he, his kids have sent us. Um, you know, letters and um, I did a rod, uh, you know, support like, uh, you know, go win and all that stuff. The, the kids will make cards. Um, but yeah, I've known Jim for a few years now. Just just because of our Ohio connection, he reached out to us. And I said, of course, yeah, I'd love to chat with your your students. So and then he's been here through the Teacher on the Trail program. We're very excited for him for next year. Yes, so that's going to be really cool. He's yep. So he's going to be here, teacher on the trail. He'll be out there um, with all the mushers, and uh, that's just really neat. I like uh, when mushers really connect with the teachers, and a, a few of my, my, the mushers do that. You know, they go to schools if they can, and they do the zooms now. I get you know, so yep. we have to do the zoom now. Uh, yeah. They are still, you are all still trying to connect with students and teachers and educate. Um, it's really a really cool program that all the teachers do and follow us. And it's really neat. Um, but I bet all of the um, Ohio State University Buckeyes are, are your biggest fans. Am I right? Um, I, uh, I would, I would hope so. I think so. I mean, we, we rep, 
you know, Ohio State pretty well up here. Um, usually every year at the start of the Iditarod, um, somebody will come up to us and give us a Buckeye, um, which is the, you know, the native tree of Ohio. And, um, you know, obviously my alma mater, Ohio State, our mascot is the Buckeye. Um, and so, yeah, people, it's, I mean, Ohio State is a huge campus. It's one of the largest campuses. It's 55,000 people on the main campus. And it's, but they call it Buckeye Nation. And that's part of the whole 17th dog idea is that going to school there, you, you see that this college team is almost like a professional team from how they handle situations. And we wanted to kind of apply that to this dog mushing, this dog mushing idea, you know, not only just, not only just how we run the dogs and, and interact with the dogs, but how we interact with um, our fans and, and schools. And I mean, just taking it to a whole nother level and opening up the sport of dog mushing to, you know, to the public because it's important. You can learn a lot from owning an animal and, and just sharing, you know, sharing time like that with the dog. Well, I saw a photo, um, maybe it was from a couple years ago, but I wonder if this happens every year. There was a, I think it was an, I did a writer that was all dressed in uh Buckeye, you know, wear logo wear and you had taken a picture with her it was so cute we have the best fans i think oh yeah of course we do yeah so let's let's talk about um the 2020 race here let's do a little how how did that go i know you um got stuck in some bad weather bad overflow um there were a few of you that did and uh, yourself and Sean Underwood and Tom, uh, Nolmeyer just got stuck in a bad spot and yep. unfortunately didn't get to finish the race, even though you were so close to the finish. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate and obviously I played, I, I mean, we, we played our cards wrong or I played my cards wrong. We didn't, the goal is to get to the finish line and, um, it didn't happen and, um, you know, it's any, any sports team sets out to win or in our case, if you don't win, you still want to finish, you know, it's not like we're just, we're just racing against one other team and it's a different sport in the sense, you know, you have 80 teams out there, 75 teams, and the goal is to do as, as best as you can and, and ultimately finish the race. So that one, it one really kind of hurt. Um, because we didn't get to the finish line. I mean, the number one, the number one, uh, you know, the number one issue is to, is to make sure all the dogs are, are healthy. You mm -hmm. obviously don't want to put them in harm's way. You obviously don't want to do anything that's going to hurt the dogs. So, um, we chose to stop right there because it was in our, you know, in our views, unpassable. No, hindsight's twenty twenty. If if I were to do it all over again, I would probably wait till the sun comes up, or till the sun came up, and maybe reassess the 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 trail or lack thereof. There's so much water. We the trail markers went right through the middle of these lakes and ponds. They were they were so wet and slushy, and it was an extremely windy you know situation, a storm you'd call it. But um. Yeah, we did the best we could. And, you know, I, 
it, it really kind of haunted me a little bit there after the race. Um, and I mean, I guess you call it a blemish. We didn't finish, but ultimately it's not going to define us. It's not going to define the dogs or I or our team or my marriage or my family that we'll hopefully have someday. I mean, it's just, um, it, it's going to make us stronger and better. Um, it's going to give us motivation. You know, Michael Jordan, who's one of one of the guys that I watched when I was little, and he's one of the best basketball players of all time. I mean, he would take anything and make it motivate him to do better. And um, that that scratch, that that quitting, that we, you know, that 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 last year is just going to turn into extreme motivation for us to do better. And so hopefully we'll we'll have our best Iditarod yet. We've never cracked the top 10 and this will be our 10th attempt attempt at doing that. So if, if we can get in the top 10, that'll be a victory for us. And so that's what we're looking to do. And we're all about safety, right? I mean, safety first. Um, you definitely don't want to do uh, anything that's going to be detrimental to your team. It's a, it is a, a team, you know, and I don't think that uh, that's anything to uh, feel bad about in assessing a dangerous situation potentially. And I think sometimes it's just, you just end up being it at a, at the wrong place on the trail at the wrong time. And yeah. hopefully I'm hoping next this coming year, we're supposed to have snow, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll be a little bit more uh, snow in the right places and not water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just one of those, just one of those things. And I mean, that's what makes the Iditarod the Iditarod. And that's why we race it. It's challenging. And the dogs like that challenge too. I've seen it, you know, in them. I've seen it in, in just racing them where they will zero in on a team in front of them, pass them, barking at them. And as we pass by them, they'll look back at them, barking at them, literally as if they're saying, you know, we, we got you, we're going faster than you. So the dogs and the musher feel, feel that. And, um, you can't really duplicate that in a training. You, it's, it's why, it's why people that love the outdoors and people that love the, the dog lifestyle and the compet competition, um, lifestyle, they go out there and they try to try to prove themselves on the race. And Iditarod is a thousand miles of unpredictable stuff that you have to be prepared for. And, and so it's, yeah, like you said, as long as we're all safe and, and happy, then you continue. And we're all ready for this <laughs> year and your family are ready and we're all planning for, you know, whatever 2021 comes and brings to us. Um, yep. So we, uh, yep. So you're planning 2021. Let's break that top 10, right? That's what we we're going to try. A good, um, now you'll have your, um, dog handlers. What will, will be, will Casey be part of that and your, your, your new, um, help at the, at the kennel where they'll be in helping with dog handling and, uh, and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. For they, you? um, will be, you know, I mean, assuming I did, we, we have no idea how I did or I was going to approach like the ceremonial start and, and the restart, um, everything we've heard, they're going to go ahead and, and, you know, create a race, but we have no idea what that looks like as far as 
large numbers of of groups. Uh, I I don't know. So, but either way, Dane, Casey, and Liz and I are all working with the dogs every day, um, and we're training every day. Um, Dane will be getting in his first um, Iditarod qualifier this year, probably the Kinnick 200. And Liz will be getting in her very first race. She's never never raced before. And we're looking at the Goose Bay 150 for, for Liz. And um, and then I'm currently signed up for the Cusco, the Willow 300, and the Iditarod. So we have a full slate of, of races with, with four amazing dog you know, dog people here at 17th dog. Yeah. We've got a full, a full, uh, winter ahead of us. So you're getting ready and we're all just getting ready. We're <laughs> ready to get out outside. I think we're yeah. just getting a little, t- come on, up, uh, to, I mean, come it's on not- up to Willow, get outside and come on up here and check out the dog. Yeah. Yep. And I definitely want to come up there. I live so close. I mean, it's, like a no brainer almost. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not even spring yet and we're all having cabin fever because we can't go anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, I want to thank you for coming on here and talking with us and I'm sure your fr- fans appreciate you coming on and let us, letting us know what you're, you're up to and we're looking forward to all, watching you in all the races upcoming. Um, where can people follow you, find you? You have social media. You mentioned your new website launch coming up. We, um, yeah, thank you for, for, um, hosting us and having us on. Um, yeah, we're literally in the middle of trying to, um, launch out and be more active with, with tourism. So right now, Liz and I are, are, it's not, we're, we haven't unveiled it yet, but but please watch out for on Facebook and social media on Instagram and in our website. So we're going to, we're going to launch Alaskan Husky Adventures and that's going to be our, our tour business. So it's Alaskan Husky, like the dog, Alaskan Husky Adventures. We wanted to just like 17th dog. We wanted to pay tribute to the actual dog that we use. And most tourists that come here, they always assume that we're using Siberians. And so we figured, we might as well put this right in the business name. So Alaskan Husky Adventures. And that website is going to be akhusky.dog. Um, it's actually .dog. So akhusky.dog. That website is not open yet, but we're hoping to launch it on November 1st. And if it's not launched then, it'll hopefully be within the next week after that. So Alaskan Husky Adventures, we're going to be offering um, just a great glimpse into the Alaskan Husky lifestyle. And we're going to be offering uh, tours where we can, our experienced guides here will, you know, take you around our private trails. We have a Denali view um, and you can either sit with your, with your family and have an experienced guide take you around, or we can teach you actually how to drive uh, the sled and we'll, we'll allow you to take our own dogs out. Um, And again, on our private trails that we groom and, um, kind of smooth out to make sure everyone is, is safe and, and can handle, handle the sled and handle the dogs. We teach you how to harness them and how to booty them. Um, and we're also going to be offering, um, bigger, bigger events. If people, if people are interested, we're going to, um, launch our own, um, weddings and outdoor activities so we can use the dogs. Um, we can maybe have the dogs bring the bride to the altar or, we can um, 
we could have the bride and the groom be whisked away on the back of a sled like Liz and I were. So we had such a good time with that that we wanted to open it up to the general public. So if people are interested in an Alaskan style wedding, they can reach out to us and, um, you know, have a, have a, a memorable, you know, way to get married. And we just, just kind of built a new log style pavilion with a Denali view in our backyard. And that's going to be, it's very COVID friendly, outdoor friendly, completely outdoor style pavilion. So look for photos of that on our website. But we're really trying to just launch ourselves and brand ourselves here in Willow in the heart of dog mushing country and showcase the Alaskan Husky. So um, I really appreciate you allowing me to plug that and just stay tuned for for the big unveil um, through our social media and 17thdog.com. Thanks, Matthew. I'm super excited and I'm glad you um, gave us a little preview of what's to come for you. All right. Well, <laughs> we are signing off here. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening and look for uh, Matthew Failer online, a.k.a. Husky.com. Uh, dog soon coming soon yeah not yet so follow him on social media um at 17th dog <laughs>